Welcome back to More Than Deep with Stephanie Sterling, the authentic Stephanie Sterling, that is. So today I have my first guest. His name is Michael Thompson. Michael, say hello. Hello. So um, so Michael is actually from Greer, South Carolina, born and raised here in the upstate, just like I am. Um, he's a father. And today, we're just going to talk about his life and how growing up without a father as well has affected him, how it has affected his role of being a father, because he's a father of four. And we're, I'm just going to open, he's just going to open up to me today, and we're just going to go from there. So what you think, Michael? Uh, Sounds like a plan? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So just go ahead and just um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from. I know one interesting thing is we both graduated from Riverside High School, <laughs> of course, at <laughs> separate times, like yes. years apart. But that, I that, went to the old school. You went <laughs> to the new school, I think. Didn't you go to the new school? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, Michael, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, again, um, since my name has been given, I won't repeat it. But, yes, I am from Greer, South Carolina, Moore Taylors. Uh, my family grew up around the Hawkins Hill area in Taylors. But uh, being in Greer, between Greer and Taylors, all of my life, uh, 44 years old, if anybody wants to know that. And basically, um, yeah, I have four beautiful kids, uh, three girls, two of which are grown, uh, 27, 23, 9. Then I got my son. He's 8. And... Um, my story goes a little bit uh, early members, early memories growing up as a child. Uh, you know how when you're growing up and you're in school and you're looking at people and they like, my daddy, my daddy. And I'm noticing, okay, I can't say what they're saying as far as my daddy, my father. And I can remember a time uh, vividly when we lived in Oakview, I believe, um, I asked my mother some father questions, and she just basically was more adamant to be like, you're my child, you know, you don't need, I don't need child support or any of those things, but you're my child. So it stayed in the back of my mind, but I just went on, you know, didn't really question her a lot, but just went on. And so how old were you when you asked your mother this? <sighs> Probably around, I think I was about, fourth or fifth grade, so uh, what, about 10? About 10. Yes. So when you got that type of response, I know you were young, but do you think that um, affected you in any way at that moment? How did you feel in that moment when she responded in that way? It it did two things. For one, it reassured her position as a mother, uh, but then on the other side, it still left this, I don't want to really call it a void, but it kind of left these questions of, well, where's the father side? Why am I looking in the neighborhood to some of my, you know, my friends and their family for the ones that did have fathers? It seemed like they had something I didn't have. Okay. So um, from from that point, um, some vivid memories and just some old childhood memories. Um, my story goes, basically, 
and I'll use my mother's words, and the audience can make of it what they will. <clears throat> she basically told me I came into this world and she wasn't a willing participant. That's quote. That's what she said. So mm-hmm. I had to basically figure out and knew what that meant. And I was based, I was told this at 19 years old, but even before then, kind of, and I may go a little back and forth, um, I have memories of being as young as three, four, my mother getting ready to take my stepdad to work. My stepdad, like, sticks up his middle finger at me, and I'm like, you, you know, you're a child, and he, like, looking at me very mean, like I've done something to him. And it's like those type of things to where there was a man in the house, but it wasn't a father. Correct, correct. I can relate. You know, oftentimes um, tell women, or if you even study some nature programs like a lion, when a lion takes over a pride of another lion, one of the first things the lion does is kill all the other male lion's children. It's one of the very first things he do. So a lot of times with men, even though we're human, I'm I'm not that man's seed, so I don't know if he seen me like I done did something to him. I'm a child. She was getting he was getting ready to go to work. I remember vividly sitting on the bed, the edge of the bed. He just mean mugs me and sticks up his middle finger. Being that young, I didn't quite you know there ain't no right. way you can process that. It was just a photographic memory at that point in time being that young. But then coming forward. Uh, a little bit again to 19, after I graduated Riverside, my mother was like, hey, um, you know, I need to tell you the truth. But then kind of going back to my Oakview days, which was around my early teen days, me and my stepfather got into an altercation, or more so rather than I use these words, he jumps on me because I'm still a teen. And I remember us getting into it, and uh, he said something to me that uh, I'll never forget as well. He said, uh, you know, your mother need to tell you the truth. And I'm thinking, like, tell me the truth. What is he talking about? And then when my mother had to get off work, because, you know, it's turmoil in the home. Right. And I'm questioning her, like, Mom, what is he talking about? What is this man talking about? Tell me the truth. Because at that time, I called the man who they was telling me was my father, biologically, but he wasn't. I called oh. him and his family. Because, you know, you're a child. You want protection. Wow. So you like, hey, this man jumping on me. I need y'all to do something to him. But um, they came, and even that side, the guy that I was told, my father, he was nonchalant. Yeah, I remember some Christmas presents or some things like that, or maybe spending the night with him and his wife, and then he had a son. Um, Maybe you can count on one or two hands, but that was pretty much it. I've always, there's been a man, but there's never really been a father. For me growing up, my influence was my grandfather, but he had his flaws. And then my uh, one of my aunts um, married her husband, um, really liked him, but then he started having his own children as well. So um, as far as I go, it was really no male um, nurturing, no male, um, how can I put it, leadership, no male... Um, protection, like all the things that a male would be or as a line would be to protect his pride, I didn't have that. All right. So that day when you found out the guy that you thought was your biological father was not, 
did you ever find out who he was? Yes. So I'm 19. I'm in my room. And uh, my mother tells me. Now, just by chance, I, at that time, I was kind of getting into the Christianity thing. You know, we grew up in a church in Lyman, Piney Grove. Uh, my family had started moving over to this church called New Jerusalem in Greer. So at the time, my uncles was attending, my mother was attending, I think they was going to some Bible studies. I wasn't quite there yet. So my mother tells me who the man is. Then she also tells me where I could find him. And I'm like, hmm. And she was like, well, he's at New Jerusalem. And I'm like, oh, wow. So one Wednesday night, I show up at a New Jerusalem Bible study. I mean, early, like the first person in the parking lot. <laughs> and by chance again, this about six foot tall man pulls up, uh, handsome man, curly hair. He parks, he gets out. And in my mind, sarcastically, I'm thinking, that's probably him right there. He speaks and he goes in the church. The church service goes on. Um, then that later on, normally if you knew New Jerusalem back then, they had an old building. People would stay in the parking lot, talk. For some reason, this night they didn't stay. And I waited, and I remember the pastor comes out. And I'm like, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you. And he, we go, we talk. And I told him who my father was. He lit up like a Christmas tree. And just me saying it, kind of like some scales fell off his eyes. He looks at me like, boy, you say that you look just like your daddy. And I was like, don't tell him. I want to tell him. You know, reveal the truth. I ain't going to tell him. I ain't going to tell him. And well, so how old were you at this time? I'm 19. 19, okay. So um, to make a long story short, that pastor couldn't hold water and told him. <laughs> and so um, I'm finding formally introduced uh, he said um, he need to talk to his wife and he'll get back to me so a uh, few weeks go by I get a call about wanting his wife wants him to take a blood test mm -hmm. so at first I kind of you know um, wrote him off a little bit I didn't really make no moves to do it and so um, I didn't go to the first uh, appointment they set up, but I mm -hmm. went to the second one. Okay. Take the blood test, blood test, come back 99.6. Wow. And so from that, that point, what happened? From that point, I was told to be patient and to wait, and he would introduce me to the family. Okay, I'm 19 now. I'll wait. One year went by, nothing. And we're attending the same church. He's like the um, the church treasurer. He gets up every Sunday and read that famous Malachi scripture to get people to tithe. And, you know, some years go by. Hmm, still nothing. And then there was even one critical point to where um, the old New Jerusalem church had a soup kitchen in the back. And, um, you know, I want to meet this other side of this family that I've never met. And I remember being on church grounds, and they was having my grandmother a party. So I see two little girls walk. They're my little sisters. I see some other people walking in the building. I'm knowing the truth, and, like, inwardly, you kind of want to just kind of walk in the soup kitchen and say, hey, I'm such and such a son. But, and this is one side of, like, religion that I don't like about religion. In my mind, 
where I went to church, oh, let everything be done decently and in order. Right. I felt like it was his place to introduce me Correct. instead of me kind of. But to be honest, I felt like that was wrong. If I'd have known then what I know now, I would have kicked that door in to that soup kitchen and had a blow horn and been like, hey, I'm... But um, but I didn't. And so my biological dad, he's a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. And so from age... 19 to 38, he didn't do nothing with it. Wow. Like, I'm just sitting here um, listening to your story because I grew up without a father as well. Mm -hmm. And just this whole thing is just, like, heartbreaking to me. Like, this is very deep. How can you go to the same church with your son and not step up after the test? Like, that should have prompted him to want to be a better man, to step in and do what he couldn't have in the mm-hmm. past, and he didn't. And my heart just breaks. Like, wow. That's but, deep, you know? Here's my thing with that. <clears throat> um, being in the church circles, and a lot of people, they see Facebook and things I post now, but um, there's a two-edged, two-edged sword to the church circle. Right. For one, um, people hide behind scriptures that they don't have no no intentions of living by or using. I can say my my dad's that way. Okay. Because if you're going to know the truth but then not apply it or use it, and then not only me, this is to add more to the story. I, I understood even then, I'm 19, I'm 20, I'm 21. I can't run, sit in this man lap, play football. If you remember that movie, if you've seen the Marvel movie, um, Guardian of the Galaxy, Volume 2, mm-hmm. where um, when he finds out Ego is his father, and they he makes the little ball, and they throw in the football. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, wow, that's a grown man. It's like he had this desire, even that as a grown man, to do this with his dad. I never had a chance to do that. Uh, there's really not a man on the planet, I say, Hey, Dad. Hey, hey, Father. Hey. Like, those words uh, I don't use. As far as with him being in this audience, hey, Daddy, I'm about to go to the store. Hey, Daddy, can you? Hey, Daddy. Right. Never used that in any sentence in 44 years toward a man. But did you, do you have that desire, though? Did you have that desire growing up? Well, well you, you have the desire as a child. One good thing my mother did was we always had such really good conversations mm-hmm. that it helped out a lot. But then when I started reading, studying, doing things on my own, the other side of that circle as far as with churches, I hear people really, in my mind, make excuses. I hear people say, oh, I didn't have a father. I don't know how to be a father. What it did for me not having one is it created something on the inside to where I lived off of what I saw internally and what I didn't get and try to give it to my children right. instead of letting it, quote-unquote, stunt my growth or cause some negative, wayward behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, people cheating on their wives. Well, why are you telling your wife? Well, you know, I didn't have a father growing Hold right. up. You right. know, hold up. You know, that, that this side of me not fulfilled and you 40, huh? what? <laughs> you know. Right. I saw a vision. I saw, okay, I didn't get to throw football. Right. But if Malik wants to throw football, Mm -hmm. I'll throw football with Malik. 
I didn't get to um, have a dad at my graduation, but if I got to go to my daughter's graduation, it's those sort of things that fueled me. So I used it as fuel. I, I, even my real dad, I wrote him a letter one time, told him I hope I don't, you know, I'm kind of looking at him like a coward. Right. He responded, but he still didn't do nothing with it. Wow. I think it's amazing that you were able to turn your pain into purpose. Yeah. That it fueled you to be a father because you're a father of four. And so it fueled you to be everything to your kids, even though you didn't have that foundation set. So I feel like that's really amazing. Now, <laughs> as far as it affecting you, as far as you being a father, how did it affect you, like, in your life, just career-wise, um, just certain decisions that you had to make relationship-wise, how did it affect you? Um, it affected me. I didn't have him to go to, so I had to go to others. I had to go, at that time, to the pastor. I had to go, uh, you know, even at 44 at times, to one of my good friends that give good advice okay. um it just made me look for other other outlets and other male figures that I've respected their opinions and mm-hmm. and their um their wisdom um and their knowledge that's what it made me do cuz I could never just go to my dad I didn't have that option okay you know I still go to my mother um a lot of times too Okay. But I, I can tell you this, as a person, um, you just learn to let it grow because I can't shortchange my children. I'm the dad now. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? I can't look I can't exactly. say I can't have Malik come say, I've been trying to get daddy to play with me, you know, because I didn't have a dad. No, a, no that's over. And, and that, that's one thing I always tell people, you know. Yes, you, I can, love you, it. you gotta put a um you gotta put your past and the things you didn't get to rest. You can't recreate them. Something out here like this um, lady I love listening to, like Dr. Laura, she said everything can't be fixed. Correct. And she right. You can't go back and fix that. You Ain't no time machine. Once you make peace with it, you just move on and let that be. You know, my dad, he stayed 15 minutes from, from me. If I'll go see my grandmother, if he, does, if he doesn't, he doesn't, like, reach out. He don't call. If he see me, he'll speak. But there is no reaching out on his part. I mean, he's very non-confrontational. And sometimes when I see that in him, I try to be the opposite because I'm like, I don't want to be like you. You see what I'm saying? He, he, to me, he's, he's that inner picture to where I don't want to be like you. Right. He's that motivation to where if I feel something, Whatever it is, I mean, working out, eating, mm-hmm. I don't want to be like you. Mm-hmm. That's where he motivates me. And I can tell you, um, you know, this, like my son, being able to give to my son and my daughters, that's what fulfills that void from the father not having a father. That's a beautiful thing. That's, yeah, that's what heals me because I'm able to give it to them. That's that's what does it. Ooh, y'all, Michael is on fire over here. Do y'all <laughs> hear him? This testimony. Oh my God. Right, it's just. I mean, I, like I, I always try to tell people. You know, you. 
it becomes a point in time in life where you got to, you got to let that stuff go. I mean, holding on to it or holding on to a memory, it, you know, the, the six-year-old me, four-year-old, it, it's not going to walk in the door and then whatever age he was, he going to walk through the door and be a father to that. Correct, correct. That, that's over. Exactly. The only thing you can do now is look at now and be what you didn't get. Exactly. Exactly. I love it and I love your story and I and I love that you um even agreed to come on the show because it's good to hear a male's perspective, you mm -hmm. know. It really is and I really appreciate that. Um I feel like you and I took similar paths with that because mm -hmm. for me my father not being there fueled me, and mm -hmm. it fueled me to be a success. It fueled me, like, going to school. I had no issues in school. I was a great student mm -hmm. at Cell. Rarely needed assistance in any way. So it was really, really, really good for me to um, make good grades. It fueled mm -hmm. me to make good grades. It fueled me to graduate high school and then go on to college. If you and me to graduate college and get my bachelor's degree and then go on from there and start my own businesses. Start I started the kids fitness first mm -hmm. and then this year I, I launched the Authentic Stephanie Sterling and I wrote my book and so it has always fueled me. But I'm not gonna lie there, I've always had this place in me that still mm -hmm. desires a father, you know? When I see other women, like one of my best friends in Florida, she grew up with her father, and she's mm -hmm. a daddy's girl. And I love, I just, when she talks about her father, she's, I'm 30, she's three years older than me. Mm -hmm. But to this day, she still has that relationship with her father, and it's like, oh, I wish I could have that. And I just love that she's able to have that relationship with her father, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. For me, I had to make decisions just based off observation and what I see and just figuring out, is this going to work for me or is it not? Because I have an older brother. He's eight years older than me. And then my mom has um, a brother as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've gotten some advice from them, but still there are certain things that they do that I'm like, no, that, that doesn't work for me. You know? Oh, yeah. So outside of those two, you know, I've met people along the way just being in my business and things like that and um, that I look up to. But just growing up, I mean, I, I had a stepfather, too, but mm -hmm. he really, in my eyes, wasn't that significant. He, My mom was still the person in charge. She was you know? still both. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So she still had to step up and everything. So I just feel like you and I have that connection on that level because mm -hmm. we both turn our pain into a purpose and we don't sit down and wallow in it. And we said, you know what? This is the hand that we were dealt. We didn't have control over it, but guess what? This is this is what we do have control over. Mm -hmm. Is what we do with it, and I feel like if people stay more focused on the things that they do have control over, mm -hmm. 
life would be so much better for everybody. Like, it really would be. I definitely agree. And when you said that, it, it made me think of this Dr. Field quote when he was telling this lady. He said, uh, and I'm trying to remember it. I'm going off memory. <laughs> um, you're responsible for 0% of the thing that happened to you growing up. That, that, yes. that you couldn't control. He told her yes, you're responsible exactly. for 0% of that. But he said you are 100% responsible for what you took with it now. So when he when Dr. Phil says something That's what I'm talking about. along those lines, you know, those are the kinds of things that should open this kind of like self-made prison we put ourselves into. Right. You got the key, you could let yourself out, but for some reason we find comfort or or solace in this prison. Like, I don't want to come out, don't let me and I always try to tell people all the time, you know, it's a choice. Correct. I could have chose to say, I didn't get this, I didn't get that, um, my dad wasn't there. But I was like, uh-uh. You know, even I can even tell you this. I'm uh, also um, 18. I was 18 at the time. Um, I had a chance to go to, like, Memphis State. It's Memphis University now, but it was Memphis State back then in the Penny Hardaway days. And, um, you know, Memphis is 12 hours away from home. And so me and my mother, my stepfather, rode to him, did the drive to Memphis. I basically had, my mother gave me a day to make a decision about whether or not I was going to go to this college. And the first thing that popped into my mind was my daughter, because she was born when I was 17, going on 18. Mm-hmm. I had all the thoughts about, well, if I'm 12 hours away, I ain't gonna be there. I ain't gonna be able to get to my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. Right. It wasn't about a lot of these people do, and if that's what you did, you know, uh, I know to each their own. But I didn't do this. I didn't say my career, my college experience, my mm-hmm. my whole focus, thought process shifted to her. I'm not there. You know how she gonna turn out? You gotta be there for your daughter, daughter. So I gave up Memphis um, State. I gave it up. I didn't go. So did you uh, end up attending any college? I went to, did some classes at Greenwood Tech and got a two-year degree from Spartanburg Methodist College. And that was pretty much it. Wow. But I, I could have went there. I could have went and gone had I been, I'll use the word, selfish. Right. I right. thought about myself. Right. Um, but I didn't. And that's the one thing. You know, for when people have, when we have children, I tell people all the time, a child changes your life forever. And it should affect you to where you can no longer just think about you. Now you got to think about them, what they going to eat, what they going to wear, what, you know, those type of things. So that was something, again, I didn't get, but it didn't stop me from giving it to my daughter. That's so commendable. I love that. So, I love that because I feel like um, with me, it's, it's, that's amazing that you chose your daughter, you mm-hmm. know, because my father didn't choose me. Mm-hmm. And although I made some great decisions for myself, mm-hmm. I'm just one of the lucky ones, you know. I just happen 
to have God's grace. That's that's what I'm going to call it. I just happen mm-hmm. to have God's grace, but I could have went a whole nother way. There are so women, so many women out there who goes a different route when their father isn't there, when somebody isn't there to teach them how a man should treat you, what you should mm-hmm. do, you know? And it kind of leaves you lost in the world. So that's why so many women take a different route. But I'm blessed that I was able to take a greater route for my life, and I continue to, and I continue to make better decisions. And so that's amazing. Yeah, so uh, like... That's amazing. In my in my opinion, and not only just my opinion, but I also think, like I said, in research and things, um, I don't know if there's any higher honor than being a father. It's just for me. That right. just I mean, I really don't. I'm, I can't tell people, you know, the amount of times I would walk into their room. This is both generations because my my children are two, are separate generations apart. Um, you just walk in and you look at them sleep and you just smile. Or um, I'm reminded of something my son said to me. Um <laughs> He was hugging me because my son, I love his heart. Mm-hmm. He affectionate, even though I try to get him not to cry too much sometimes, some things, but right. I love his heart. He um, he came to me one day, and I had tucked him in the bed, put him in the bed, and and these younger sets of children, we always hug. You got to hug at night before you go to bed. And he said, he said, Daddy, he said, every time you do this, he said, I feel this warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside of me. Oh. And, uh, and and to me, as a dad, I'm like, that's what it's about. Even though I, I didn't get that, I can't say what he said, it just still done something to me to hear him say it. Wow. And if you ever watch, even um, kind of going back to the Animal Kingdom, if you ever watch a good nature program, and you'll even see the cubs, wanting to, they, they'll mess with mama. But they always so curious about that male line, that father. Right. And even when he's trying to sleep, they trying to go play with him, bite his ear, mess with his tail, and 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 it's a lot of times if you notice, even if the male line is a little frustrated or tired, I've I've never seen. I'm not saying it, it's an absolute, but I've right, never seen right. the male line just hurt him. He might get a little frustrated with him, growl, show him teeth, but then he'll and they'll continue to mess with him. They might back away. And they'll come back. And when I look at that, I'm like, that's how my role is as a father. You know, and you want your children, even if you snap at them or whatever, they they still kind of come back. And one thing I try to teach my children is know that I love you. Don't just believe. Right. You don't ever have to question that. Correct. Know it. This ain't requiring no belief, no faith stuff. This is a knowing that I know this man, my daddy, loves me. I don't ever have to question it. I ain't got to perform. I know this. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, y'all. Well, y'all heard it from Mr. Michael Thompson himself. Thank you so much for sharing sharing your story, your testimony. It's been a pleasure. I hope this helps a lot of y'all out there. Y'all have a beautiful day, and like Michael said, it's an honor for him to be a father. So I hope y'all take that tidbit of information and share it with others.
But on that note, y'all have a beautiful day, and we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Peace out.